Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. Like, I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? To another episode, or welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. It is Monday, October 11th, and man, did we have a crappy week when it comes to injuries for week five here. It is, uh, not going to be a lot of fun to go over some of these games. A lot of possible waiver options. I mean, it's it's uh, it's looking bleak out there at some places. But uh, we are happy to be back talking football. We will go over the entire slate of NFL games that have been played. Uh, we will not be having an episode on Tuesday. So Matt and myself will give you our waiver wire guys on today's episode. And we will be back again on Wednesday. Matt, how was uh, how was your weekend and how are you doing today? Well, it's uh, week two of the remodel. Uh, it's getting sparse uh, back here. Uh, some of the materials didn't come in, so I am regretting the challenges I've given in my life. But they said by October 22nd, it should be all done. I'm holding so, on to that hope in my heart. Like people that roster George Kittle are holding on to the hope oh, that he's geez. only gone three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know. Maybe by the end of the whole process, you know, it'll be worth it. You have like a brand new looking house with all this stuff in it. And so, you know, it'll be worth my wife it, is yeah. pumped. So that's yeah. that's worth it. That's itself. that's really all that matters, because when she's not, it can make your life a living hell, as we all know. So, yes. uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm right there with you. I had uh, I went and saw the uh, James Bond movie. No time. Oh, to die so this did weekend. I. So good. Did you? Oh, I want to talk about it so bad. I, I cried. It was, uh, I did too. I, am, I mean, what I an am, ending. So 
I will put it this way. My wife, you know, we, we've talked about yeah. this. She she likes movies. She's not into, like, I am a massive, massive James Bond fan. I've seen every movie. I've read all the books. Like, I I, I feel like most men are James Bond fans. You yeah. know, he's, he's like one of the coolest guys you can be. So my wife, though, she likes the movies, but not really into them. And even she cried at the end. So I was like, that's how you know, in my opinion, you made a good movie because she is not someone who gets, like, really in uh, to movies like that. Like there's some movies and TV shows she really likes, but something like that, she's just kind of like, oh, okay, it's a movie. And even she kind of, I, I caught her as I was crying, looking over and she was crying. And so, yeah, it's a, uh, an emotional trip and not a minute of that movie wasted in my opinion either. Like no. I did not realize it, it was, was a very brisk two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was very sad that it was over when it was, I was like, I want more. It's I can't, it can't be over. So maybe we'll talk about that Wednesday or something. I don't know where I have time today, but it's a uh, yeah. Massive bond fan. I was, I was very maybe, sad to see that go. Maybe we'll plan. We'll, we'll touch briefly on the Monday night football game, which uh, I, I am sure you feel like me. It's probably not going to be a great one. We'll preview yes, the Thursday night game, which if I recall, wasn't an incredible matchup. I think it was Tampa Bay crushing someone. I, I don't remember him. Uh, um, yeah, I know. It's it hard to, to get. Be, uh, who's it have to be? Carolina's already played. The Saints haven't. I don't think Atlanta's played Thursday night. either. I don't I think it was a divisional game. Oh, yeah, I guess they haven't been doing that many divisional games this year on Thursday night. No. Why is my phone taking forever to pull but up? We are continuing our spectacular tradition of London games, the Dolphins versus the Jaguars week six. I, I just apologize in advance, London. But, uh, you know, and then we can touch if hopefully you will have seen all of what if by then we can. Circle I have back, finished, that's, it. I finished it last that's week. over and James Bond. So pop culture corner will be back. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles, so it may not be a bad game. At least you got Jalen Hurts to, you know, hopefully boost you up. I feel like that might sit him that game. I don't know. That feels like a bad game to start. Him. But anyways, let's let's jump into the NFL games here. Of course, we are proud to be a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at PigskinPodNet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN. We tag all of our podcasts there. They have got everything from soccer football, baseball, hockey starting up, basketball's about to start up, baseball's in the playoffs. They've got everything. Uh, they've got a bunch of college podcasts popping up here as well, I saw. Um, I'm going to be joining a couple Big Ten ones to talk Ohio State here in the next couple weeks. So it's just an ever-growing network again. If you're looking for anything, they've got it, especially sports-wise. So definitely check them out. Matt, though, me and you sometimes struggle with our rankings. It's a lot of work, but there is somewhere you can go to get Hall of Famers help. Where should they go to do that? That's right. If you want to get the tools to help Bob Harris reach the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame, go to footballdiehards.com and get the Flash Update Pro. It is a full suite of tools to make you a better fantasy manager, rankings, configurable cheat sheets, mock drafts, consistency tools, target distribution, snap counts, and more. What are you waiting for? Head over there today and use code ROUNDTABLE for an additional 15% off the already low price of $24. All right, so let's jump into it, and we kick off with the first London game. It was really cool, actually, to see this. Uh, they did not play any games internationally last year, so to see it go back, uh, there was a lot of fans there. I will be honest, I did not catch the beginning of the game. 
Uh, Friday night was a late night for me because I knew I was going to see No Time to Die. I had a lot of work to get done for our Saturday shows and a lot of chores to get done so the wife would be happy. Uh, so I caught, I jumped in like right before halftime, but I did catch the end of the game. The Falcons end up winning 27-20. to It was another solid game and a touchdown for Michael Carter of the Jets. Are we starting to believe in him being the starting running back? Yeah, you know, I, I mean – He's not lighting the world on fire, but no one from the Jets really is lighting the world on fire. But we saw another uh, pretty solid game. He, you know, he had 38 yards rushing, gets that touchdown. Uh, Ty Johnson also got a touchdown, a little bit of a bummer. It's still going to be somewhat of a committee. Tevin Coleman actually surprisingly getting involved again this week too, um, which is a little bit of a bummer. But Michael Carter, we knew he was, he had that three phase Uh, potential catches, three passes for 20 yards. I like what I've seen. He seems to be the lead in that committee. Hopefully as their line gets a little bit better and their offense progresses a little more, we'll see just another step up. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. When he was out there, he looked like the better running back to me out of everybody else. I don't know why they're not giving him the carries. I did have some reservations that he could get or handle the entire workload. But I don't see why he can't be the 1A to somebody's 1B. I don't understand. I understood why they were throwing Tevin Coleman out there in the first couple games. He understood the offensive scheme coming from Kyle Shanahan's offense. He was in San Francisco with with Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur. Does it matter, Mike? I always get it mixed up. It's Mike. Mike. With Mike LaFleur, who came with Salah, obviously, over to the Jets. So he knew the system. It made sense for him to come in and be the starting running back while Carter got up to up to speed on it. But he's looked really good. I don't know why they don't just go to him. Sorry, that's my son. He's sitting next to me. For anybody who just saw like the ball of hair come flying into the screen there. Uh, so I, uh, I'm i with you, though. I don't understand why. I doubt he's available on many waiver wires. I'm sure we'll see here in a little bit if he made your waiver wire segment. Uh, if he, he is. Yeah, I figured he'd probably be. Especially in dynasty formats. I, he was going as like a first-round oh, yeah. pick in a lot of places. Yeah, oh yeah, I know in Dynasty he's not. I was curious in redraft if anybody drafted him or if everybody kind of uh, let him go since nobody knew what was going to be going on with the yeah. Jets. But if he is, he's worth I a pickup. Yeah, I didn't see his percentage being uh, below, or he didn't show up on the sheet of people you should consider below 50%. Ty Johnson still is. And he's getting, you know, he got three catches as well, got four carries and ends up getting a touchdown. I just don't think he has, there's a consistent enough level of work. Yeah. For the Falcons side here is a huge day for Kyle Pitts. He finally gets in the end zone. He breaks all of, or gets all of his so far, his uh, uh, career highs and catches yards and touchdowns. Do we think that holds up? We do have to, you know, Calvin Ridley is out. Uh, I always forget who the other guy was. Russell Gage. Russell Gage, Gage. yeah was out. So do you think that played a factor in it? Do we see this continuing with uh, Kyle Pitts? Um, You know, he's been a pretty active part, even when Ridley's been there. Um, So I think he still is going to Cordero Patterson's a really active part of their passing game too. The one whose uh, volume probably it was most a product of this game is Hayden Hurst, who we haven't really seen super involved, got more involved this week, also caught a touchdown. But for Kyle Pitts, it's been, um, you know, he was getting targets. He just wasn't always getting the receptions and yardage here. Ten targets, not anything crazy. That's about in line with what he was getting. Nine for 119 and a touchdown. Very encouraging. He's an explosive player. I think he's only going to get better as he builds along. You and I both thought this was going to be a week where we finally saw kind of that – 
emergence, I don't think he totally totally goes back. Maybe not always this high. They've had a little bit of trouble sustaining um, super high volume for a number of people in the passing game. I think it's still going to be a little bit of popcorn about who has the best day between Pitts, Patterson, and Ridley. I hope. Um, I, I do think having Ridley and Gage out did help that some, especially with, I think, he had nine catches for 100-plus yards and the touchdown. I do hope he continues to get into the end zone, though. We saw that a little bit on that uh, the matchup where he goes up against a linebacker. Like He's going to win those matchups more often than not. Now, I do know that they've talked about before some teams were playing him more like a Julio Jones and putting different cornerbacks on him which obviously might limit him a little bit, but he's still a very good player. Um, I'm hoping that it continues to at least be something like this. I don't know that he's going to put up 100 yards and a touchdown every single week, but maybe if he can continue to get the targets uh, in somewhere around you know, five to seven catches, he's going to continue to produce, at least at the tight end position. One of the uh, more entertaining early window games, which I really did not expect, was the Packers beating the Bengals 25-22. I think we saw enough missed kicks to uh, last a lifetime in this game as well. Seriously. Yeah, A.J. Dillon gets more involved in catching a touchdown in this. What do you think about his role moving forward? Yeah, it was really interesting to see him more involved in the passing game. You know, Jamal... Williams, who he's ostensibly taking over for, was kind of really noted for being a a two-phase back. And we had thought A.J. Dillon was primarily just going to be a a ball carrier, but he he gets four targets, catches them all for 49 yards and touchdown. That may be that pass rate's not super sustainable, but we're seeing him get slowly more involved. He got four targets and eight carries, uh, so... You know, it was a very competitive game and he was in there maybe working his way back up into flex consideration because we thought going into the season he'd be RB3 value. We haven't seen it so far, but this would be encouraging if you're rostering him. Yeah, I mean, he was the guy that I was targeting later in, in, in the couple redrafts that I'm in because I thought he could get that Jamal Williams role. And we just haven't seen Aaron Jones has kind of bogarted all the touches so far, but maybe they're starting to move back to what they had with Williams. Uh, I could see them relying so heavily on Aaron Jones earlier because especially with the way the season kicked off and them getting the doors blown out there by uh, New Orleans, kind of wanted to reset and now going forward, I, I hope that Dylan gets more involved. I want to see it for one more week at least before I'm willing to throw him in one of my lineups, uh, but it was definitely encouraging to see him get more involved and especially get the touchdown. The Bengals hang on here, but fall short. Should have won it in overtime, but Pirine solid in a tandem with Mixon. Do you think he is a good stash with Mixon? I think he got hurt again toward the end of this game as well. Yeah, and the real bummer today is uh, Pirine got put on the COVID list. Um, oh, might be good news for your Chris Evans. Chris but Evans. aside from that, I thought P. Ryan looked pretty good. He ran for over five yards a carry, 11 carries, 59 yards, caught four balls, was involved in the passing game. Looks like he he might provide more of a, you know, if Mixon was gone, he might provide more of a fantasy value than what we got from Gio Bernard in a similar situation last year. Yeah, so I think even more so now, and I, I, we guess can talk a little bit more about it when we get to the waivers, but if P. Ryan might be out for even longer, at least this week Chris Evans may really be worth the pickup because we saw him really involved in that game. We don't know um, what is going on exactly with Mixon. You know, they said 
Saturday that he was going to be good to go and play, but then he only ended up getting 11 touches. Now he scored, so if you started him, he probably helped you in the end game. But uh, Piran was used a lot more than I think a lot of people thought once they said Mixon was good to go. I think that will continue this week with Mixon still dealing with a little bit of injuries. So Chris Evans may be the guy there. The Vikings, I mean, my goodness, this game. I, I don't know if you were paying that close attention to this one. But the Lions going up right there at the end, you think, Another oh, wow. You, I, you mean you had it right? You talked about that this would be a game the Lions could get the W on, and I didn't think it was going to happen. And it looked like it was going to happen. And then Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen with, I think it was like 30 seconds left, drive down the field, get, get a last-second field goal to end up hanging on to win. is a tough break for the Lions. Um do you think they're better than the record? I will also say, like, I know it's probably, it's not, it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter in the box score, but I really like the way that Campbell showed the emotion that he showed mm-hmm. in the press conference. Like, I think yeah. that to me showed like clearly how much that means to him and his team and to be gutted like that. Uh, I, I really like that. It makes, in all honesty, it makes me root for him more seeing something like that. Yeah, I mean, you have a, a good coach, but all I can think is I'd rather have Dan Campbell than Vic Fangio um, at this point in time. I, well, I love the passion. We'll we'll talk about coaching when we get to the Browns game. I'm not thrilled <laughs> with Mr. Stefanski right now. They, this is the second game they've lost on a, uh, in the last second on a 50-plus yard field goal. Um, you know, that's pretty brutal. Uh, last week, kind of a bad beat. They were right in it with that 49ers game. They were right in it for a half with the Packers. I, I think they're they're there are two on five teams. One of them deserves to be on five. One of them it's been some bad beats and Detroit's the bad beats. Yeah, I, I mean it goes almost to uh obviously a little bit of a different situation here, but I will compare it to Houston with Cully. This team is clearly playing for Campbell. They like him they just have been unlucky and sometimes we see that happens with these teams and then the next year they flip it around and they're the one who gets the lucky breaks and it's a massive season for them i think the biggest thing with detroit is i think they're closer than maybe we all thought they were and they're just missing a couple pieces like i don't want to hate too much on jared Goff cuz i don't even think he's been horrible but i think like there's just there's just a couple pieces away like one really good wide receiver probably another quarterback and just a couple defensive pieces. And this could be a really, really good team. The receiver is a big question. And, you know, we like to point to Cephas and of course yesterday he breaks his collarbone. So they, you know, they don't really have that go-to guy, which I think that's where you can't get a complete read on, on how good Jared Goff can be because when you don't have like that reliable, at least one reliable go-to receiver, and then they probably need a couple pieces still on defense. Yeah, 100%. For the Vikings side here, Alexander Madison was solid in relief of Cook. If Madison hits the market this offseason, do you think he will be an appealing free agent target? Yeah, I think this is the second time this season we've seen him come in and really step up and put up some some very good numbers in relief of Dalvin Cook. In years past, it's always been kind of a when we, you know, you have high hopes that Madison's going to be the guy when Cook is out and we haven't seen great production, but I believe this is a contract year for Madison. They've already done a long-term deal with Cook. They probably aren't getting out of. I don't think they keep them both. This to me is his audition and he's looked good. 
yeah, uh, I'll be interested to see what happens with him because I don't think he commands like a massive contract. There's no a couple back teams. To us. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Chubbs wasn't massive. Who got a massive one this offseason? Well, I mean, free agent running backs. We haven't seen, like, the biggest free agent uh, contract was two years, $11 million for Kenyon Drake. And it was a weird offseason. But, yeah. I, you know, I think you have to hope, like a, like a Mike Davis finally got a chance, like a – we've seen a few people go out and get a shot. Hopefully he gets a little shot. Yeah, that's what, well, that's what I was going to say. I wouldn't be surprised. There's teams that, like – I could easily see moving on from some of the guys that they have. And this is not a great top end running back class. There's a couple guys that I really like, you know, three at the top for sure. I think could be solid running backs, but that's also the thing with the NFL. We see more and more teams moving away from one running back teams. It's become these timeshare backfields. So even if they draft one of those guys, doesn't mean that Alexander Madison won't be a part of it now. I mean, not everybody can be as good as, you know, Zeke and Pollard and Chubb and Hunt, but, you know, that's what I think a lot of teams are hoping for right now with the way that they uh, deploy two backfield, uh, two running backs in the backfield. Ooh, this next game. The Buccaneers beat up on the Dolphins 45 to 17. Are the Dolphins in trouble? Yeah, they look bad in both phases of the game. And ironically, the one guy that I wanted to write off for dead, Miles Gaskin, has an explosive game uh, just to spite me. But the Dolphins look horrible right now. Yeah, I, I'm more and more convinced that there's more and more NFL players that are listening to this because the guys that we talked bad about last week all seem to come up, including one that I will have to apologize to here later in the show. Yeah. Uh, but Miles Gaskin, yeah, he looked great. Had that one catch for was like forty or fifty yard touchdown. Looked good yeah. running the ball. And and I hate to say this, maybe it's just because Jacoby Brissett wasn't in there anymore. He didn't really seem to want to dump off to him. Uh, but let's be honest, neither did Tua. So I don't know. I think uh, Brian Flores said earlier today they're hoping Tua will be back this week. There hasn't been anything yeah. confirmed, so they could be starting. Got to give our best to London, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I don't even know if um, who is there. I don't even know the third string quarterback's name that played, to be honest with you, Sunday. I barely watched any of this. There, uh, Brissett is the only one that recorded stats. I thought he got hurt. Am I thinking of something mm, else? Yeah, you're thinking of something else. He's the one that threw the Gaskin touchdowns. Oh, well, that makes sense. Again, I apologize. I didn't watch any of this game. I could have swore they said he got hurt, but apparently not. So. Yeah, I, I mean, good for Gaskin. Uh, well, the one thing I will say, too, about that is the Buccaneers' defense hasn't been nearly as good as we thought they were going to be this year either. Against the past, anyway. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, it's obviously great to see Gaskin break out. I would like to see that continue moving forward because he is a guy that we all like this offseason, but it has not really been a good season for him. Again, Tua, though, we will wait to see if he will be back this week. That is the hope. They're getting who you said on uh, third. Uh, oh, the it's Dolphins at the Jaguars in wow. London. That's well, you, you know, don't have to get up early for that one. If you catch the fourth quarter, you might catch the only Lon- London does love themselves. The Jaguars since they go play there all the time. That's and the like Jags the do home. play better in London. You yeah. know, it would be fitting if they were zero and sixteen here and one and zero in England this year. 
Speaking of defenses we thought were going to be good this year, the Washington football team loses to oh, the New Orleans Saints. Do we just 30- skip the Buccaneers? Yeah, we should skip the Buccaneers because they don't matter. Yeah. Uh, the uh, On the Buccaneers side, Antonio Brown and Mike Evans go off, but at the end of the season, which Bucks receiver finishes higher? Godwin still led them in targets, but he's not getting the big explosive plays. I'm actually starting to, I know you're going to laugh, I'm actually starting to think there's a realistic chance Antonio Brown ends up with the most yards and touchdowns because he seems to be the one that they're bombing it to. Even though Evans had a huge day, but something about AB, man. I mean, I I didn't see, how many did he get? Did he get two touchdowns or two, just one? Yeah. And so I didn't see the second 124 one. yards, seven, I 124 saw, and two. I saw the first one that he took. It was like 40 or 50 yards. He caught it right around the line of scrimmage, beat everybody to the end zone. That's what AB does. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, clearly Brady's wanted to play with them again. Last, was it last year? He had him come live with him yep. for a little bit of time to help him get his stuff yep. straightened out. I mean, clearly those two have built a – a good connection. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, my biggest thing was, was he going to be able to come back and bounce back? He looks like the AB of old. Bruce Arians said that this off season, I guess maybe we should let me granted Bruce Arians. I feel like lies to us about the running back position all the time. So I didn't believe him on that, but uh, clearly he was right. I mean, I'll be curious to see the one thing I will think I will want, want to figure out, I guess. And I don't know off the top of my head. I'm just thinking based on what I remember earlier in the season, I don't remember AB having big games when Gronk was there. So I don't know if there's any correlation with that because Gronk being he, out. He did but... opening day. Okay. They both had two touchdowns opening day and they both were big in the Super Bowl. But they did say yesterday he was playing some of the Gronkowski passing routes. That second touchdown, gotcha. when he slanted over the middle, they said that was a classic Gronk crossing route. So I wonder how much his production may get hurt when Gronk comes back. Uh, I, I would imagine still not massively, but we'll see. That that could be a factor that we'll be looking into. Now on to the defense that we thought was going to be good. That hasn't been, and that's the Washington football team. That was not able to stop the Saints. The Saints win 33-22. Big day for Jameis. Do you think he's starting to figure it out with the Saints? I think it's going to be up and down still for a while more he makes some good plays um i think he's growing into it they still have a dearth of weapons although it seems like he's getting into a groove with callaway which is going to be helpful and he remembered that alvin kamara exists and can catch passes which helps us all yeah i mean the callaway thing my god the 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 hail mary type catch that he made into in the end zone for that touchdown was that was bad defense Oh, I know, but my point is, like, Callaway, because he's so big, and so, like, why don't you just do that more often? Like, we've seen teams who have weapons like that use them that way, use them that way. But I agree with you on the Kamara thing. It's great to see him getting involved involved now in the passing game. You know, I, I'm still going to say I don't trust Jameis. Um, I need to see him put it together for more than one week at a time because it feels like he has a good week and then he takes two steps back. Then he has a really good weekend. It feels like Jameis of old when he was with Tampa Bay. Uh, I'd like to see him put it together for a couple of weeks. You know, if he does that, then I really will will be in on Jameis just because we know he can throw 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. And Sean Payton has always run a really good offense, but I need to see it for more than one week in a row. Washington struggles again, as does Heineke. Is it a case of too many injuries on the offense for Washington? Yeah, Logan Thomas on IR. Curtis Samuel came back only to hurt his groin again. 
Deami Brown is out. So you're, you're back to Terry McLaurin, who, you know, when you're playing a defense like the Saints, who actually have some good players, they're going to be able to take them away and a lot of pressure on the Antonio Gibson. The difference this year is Washington's defense isn't good enough to do what they did last year protecting Alex Smith. So I this could could be a challenge for for the Washington football team. Yeah, I mean, Logan Thomas going down, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about because I, I heavily invested uh, in him this offseason. Uh, and, and Terry McLaurin, as good as he is, and I think right now, in all honesty, he's like a top five wide receiver in the NFL. He can only do so much. Uh, it was good to see Antonio Gibson still had a pretty good game, though. But they need some help at wide receiver. Now, Thomas is going to be out for at least two more weeks. They put him on short-term yeah. IR, so he can't come back for two more weeks. I don't. Last I saw, they had not put Curtis Samuel on IR, so I guess we'll see what happens yeah. with him. I mean, it's just, you know, you're also talking about Tyler. I think they also, I saw a report today that Ryan Fitzpatrick could be back by week seven. So I don't know what that may do for the offense. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they said six to eight weeks, but they also said it was that hip subluxation, which, yeah, I mean, I I'm in pain just thinking about it. Yeah, well, I'm right there with you, but we're not Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, that dude's a that dude's an animal. So that that's just what they said. Whether or not that comes true, I, I'm I'm curious to see how much that changes. It's for interesting the that he would be back that quickly because apparently James White had the exact same injury and he's on IR done for the season. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I would say I thought they said he was done for the season. Yeah, for the season. The Eagles upset the Panthers here 21 to 8. The Eagles looked bad early, but Jalen Hurts brings them back. What does this win mean for Philly? Uh, I thought it was a big, big win for Philly and big for uh, Jalen Hurts to hang in there and be able to help get them back a victory. He did not look good for much of this game. Their offense did not look good for much of this game, but they got it done when they need to. Yeah, I mean, we've said it, or at least I know I've said it on this podcast, and I see everybody on Twitter saying it. He's the Blake, he's the new Blake Bortles, and there's nothing wrong yeah. with that for fantasy because that garbage time production matters, and he ends up by hook or by crook, he ends up with 20 plus fantasy points, even though they he did not play a very good game and neither did the Eagles. But I'm I'm here for it. You know, I'm, I expect him to do the same thing against Tampa Bay on Thursday night, even though it's uh, gonna be a tough matchup. He just seems to find a way to win. I do agree that it's good that he was able to bring them back. I still don't know that that win changes much for his future in Philly. We'll see. Uh, he did miss Dallas Goddard. Or sorry, not miss. He hit Dallas Goddard right in the hands. Goddard dropped a touchdown pass in this game. Uh, Devonta Smith had a couple really good catches. So there's pieces in the offense, and they're making plays. They just haven't been able to like put things together, I think, and been like, cohesive every single week. And maybe some of that is the Panthers' defense is – probably decent i mean they looked good early mm. kind of struggled then looked like they were playing pretty good it was really the offense i think that cost yeah. them this game uh in this one so darnold. you know good yeah yeah good old darnold's back uh, so we uh you know hurts we'll see uh i'm not sold that he's still the future of philly but i'm not giving up on him he's shown flashes and i, I really like what i've seen out of him so far to start off this season darnold struggles again though i mean he was off to an amazing yeah. three weeks however in week three he did have multiple fumbles i remember talking about this as i think it was the thursday night game where he fumbled it and they were in their own territory but they were just they were able to fall onto the fumble so it didn't hurt them 
And then ever since that moment, he seemed to kind of like regress back to Adam Gase, Sam Darnold. That's what I'm going to call him. And he's he's having turnovers. He's still making really good plays, but he's having some turnovers. He's making some bad throws. Are you concerned? A little bit, but I will also say that coincided with them losing um, McCaffrey, which made their offense a lot less dimensional in – for as much as you and I are excited about Tommy Tremble, he's a young player learning a position. So you've de- you've went from a veteran in Dan Arnold. I wonder too, would they have made that trade if they knew they were going to be able to get Stephon Gilmore? Um, because now they've you know they traded experience on offense to get some pieces on defense. Their defense is going to be good. I want to see. They were a team I looked at uh, today. You know, in a segment I did panic or patience they're one I'm, I'm still doing a little patience they they have a more manageable schedule than some other teams they're still three and two and i think when cmc comes back that's going to change the dynamic of the offense and change the way people are playing darnold yeah i mean cmc might be back this week and i believe matt rule said they'll know more by wednesday so that could change things and i will Cut Darnold some slack on that part. I I think it's fair to say he's not an upper-tier quarterback, but I don't think he's Mm -hmm. the worst quarterback in the league. So losing a player like Christian McCaffrey can completely alter your offense, so I can't see that being a reason why he struggles. It will be very interesting to see if he's able to kind of return back to what we saw those first three weeks with CMC coming back. If he's able – I mean, if he doesn't come back this week, I imagine he'll be back by, by week, what is that, seven. Because, I mean, yeah. if they're, they, we thought he might play this past week. Now they're talking about he's likely going to play this week. So if something happens and he doesn't, I think week seven should be good to go. The uh, Titans and the Jaguars here. So the Titans beat the Jags 37-19. to The Titans get the win, but is it time to worry about A.J. Brown? Yeah, we just aren't seeing the the production and the insane efficiency this year his first two years it's not that he was getting so many more targets than other people it's what he was managing to be able to do with them and another game here he gets six targets was only able to catch three for 38 julio wasn't even in this game and the jaguars don't have a good back end defense we thought he was in for a pretty big step up game coming back especially because of that so i am a little bit concerned that that it's going to be a struggle for him to get into wide receiver one territory. Yeah, I am with you on Brown. The Titans just don't look good at all. I, and I mean, I, I talked a lot about this in the offseason. I did not think they were going to be. I think I was the lowest out of the three of us. I did not think they were going to win and their yet division. They might cruise to a division. I know. I mean, it's <laughs> insane to think that, but uh, I'm just not. So the only player on this offense I trust right now is Henry. And that's just because no matter they they can throw all eleven defenders in the box and Henry's still getting like a hundred plus yards and a touchdown. So I'm worried about it now. Maybe once Julio comes back, that'll help a little bit because that does give you two dynamic players on the outside. But even Ryan Tannehill has not looked right this season. I think that could be part of why Brown is struggling as well. Are the Jaguars better than they were in 2020? Um, I don't think they are. I think they they might be worse. Uh, James Robinson's still incredible, but this team looks bad. Yeah. After everything that happened this past weekend, or no, the weekend before, I apologize. Well, the whole week before. (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess that's true. It really kind of hit hit big on like Wednesday or something like that. Tuesday or Wednesday is when it really kind of became a big deal. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk that the players aren't happy. Uh, it's a weird situation. I mean, they weren't playing well before that happened. Then that Thursday night game really like Trevor Lawrence looked the best he had looked this season. There was a lot of hope. And then that happens. I just I don't know where the Jags are going. It's a weird team. Charks out for the year. I don't. Uh, James well, they, they didn't even manage to use against again a bad secondary. He couldn't figure out how to get to Chenault and to Marvin Jones. I, I take that as yeah. a problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, James Robinson. Much like the Titans, I'm trusting Derrick Henry. It's really just James Robinson, and that's it. Because I mean, wow, this uh, this is not uh, not a good looking football team. The Patriots survive the Texans. Like I was not expecting this at all. The Patriots went twenty-five to twenty-two. I mean, I will tell you right now. We talked a lot about this, I believe, on Friday's episode. A lot of people dropped the Patriots' defense because they were playing the Buccaneers the week before, and I snagged them in every league that I have team defense because I was like, not only are they a good defense, they get Davis Mills and the Texans next week. Here comes 20 fantasy points. Davis Mills must have been listening. I did call him Giraffe next, so that probably pissed him off even more. Goes for 350 and multiple touchdowns with Brandon Cooks doing nothing as well in this game. How pissed? I know you picked the defense. Oh. Up, like, how pissed are you? I mean, you don't let Tom Brady throw a effing touchdown, and you let Davis Mills put up a a quarterback rating of 141.3 and a QBR of 81.3. Unbelievable. The the Patriots just, for some reason, have struggled historically with the Texans. You would not have thought it would happen this week, but props to David Culley. He's given it his all every every week, and I, I don't even know what to make. Maybe it's the ultimate crap letdown game for the Patriots defense, but it was one of the more shocking results of the day yeah i was uh extremely surprised i i, I mean i really don't uh i was watching that game. I, I legitimately thought they were gonna lose the game i mean the texans yeah. got up on them and i was just like what is going on like again and it speaks so i know you were kind of on this dennis seems to be on the opposite side of us here like i don't think david coley is gonna be fired in the next no. couple years like this team is they're, they've been in almost every single game this season with a roster we all talked about like, man, they're going to be so bad. They're going to have the first pick locked up. They're, they've got a win on the season. There's two teams, as you mentioned earlier, who have not won a game right now. So I uh, I mean, props to David Culley. That, that's all I can say because I think he's clearly got this team fighting. They, again, I was, I was hoping, I was kind of rooting for it because – most of the the coaches from like Bill Belichick's Belichick's tree rarely beat him, and for those of you who may not know, Cully is from that tree as well. Like, I'd have loved to see that happen because that would have been like one of the least likely wins we would have ever seen against a uh, against one of his disciples. A uh, great great game. A uh, little sad that the Texans couldn't pull it off. The Texans though released Anthony Miller, but Chris Moore comes up big. Do you think he's worth watching, or do you think that's just a the Patriots always take away their like one big play weapon and that's Brandon cooks. And so maybe that's why uh, more goes off. 
Now, I mean, five targets. He counted all five for 109 and a touchdown. We saw some flashes of this in the past when he was with Baltimore. David Culley was the passing game coordinator in Baltimore, brought him over. It makes a little more sense seeing the way they used him and Chris Conley and some of the other pieces in the passing game this week makes a little more sense that they were willing to let go of Anthony Miller. Yeah, I mean, it sucked because we thought maybe Anthony Miller coming over there was going to do something. We saw flashes of him with Chicago, uh, but for whatever reason, I had, well, I don't know. There's rumors about different things, but for whatever reason, they let him go. Doesn't seem to affect them that much. So I, I think, you know, I'm still only in on Cooks here, but it was good to see other wide receivers get involved. And I'll be honest, it was good to see Davis Mills play that way. I don't, none of us who watched a lot of Stanford football, myself included, thought that any of these guys, that Davis Mills was going to be able to do anything. And he has been a lot better than I thought he was. So credit to him and in all honesty, credit to the Texans because we all made fun of them when they made that pick and it's worked out for them. Yep. Well, Chris Moore looked like a big winner on Sunday. There's still time for you to be a week five winner. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a week five offer every football fan needs to jump on. If you haven't done it yet, there's still one game tonight. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That is a no-brainer. As bad as this game might be tonight, they will score a point. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long, and DraftKings is giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN. Throw down a $1 bet on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. As you can tell. All right. The Chicago Bears beat the Raiders 22-9 in this one. Big road win for the Bears. What did you think about the running back splits here with David Montgomery out? Both Damian Williams and my guy Khalil Herbert handled the ball 18 times, but Herbert outsnapped Damian Williams. I believe it was 34-28. to I'll see if I can pull up Nick, Nick Whalen's tweet. Yeah. Because he he sent it out there, but I mean, uh, I outside thought they of the both looked good. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I thought they both looked good. Williams uh, obviously was a little banged up um, after last week, so I don't know if that played a factor. But um, you know, their running game remains robust. I think they're doing everything they can to help Justin Fields, and it's got to be exciting seeing him be two and one so far as a starter. I mean, I said whatever team he went to, he's going to take him to the playoffs this year. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had 34 touches to Damian Williams, 31, which I find interesting because everybody was all over Damian Williams. I will say I don't know if this is because of he did come in with a thigh bruise 
uh, they said, coming into the game. So I don't know if that's why Herbert got on the field so much, but I mean, I'm going to be honest, outside the touchdown, I thought Herbert looked a bit, he had the better yards per carry. He looked more explosive at times. Now, he did not have the, uh, I will give Williams touchdown was just awesome. The way he juked the defender and just kind of rolled into the end zone there was awesome. Uh, but I liked what I saw out of Khalil Herbert. You know, I hope he continues to get a little bit more run, at least while Montgomery's out, because uh, I think well, he is a really good running back. When Monty was in, they were still using Damian Williams a fair amount too. So I, it might be a case of you need to recognize this is another offense where they're going to use multiple backs as long as they have a good play caller. Yeah, oh, I think that for sure. But I don't know. Like, I want to see Herbert getting run now because I think once Montgomery comes back, it goes back to being Montgomery and Williams. But, you know, just for a little bit of, you know, I'll be honest, personal validation, I liked Herbert a lot coming out of uh, out of college. Uh, and I wanted to see him succeed. I thought he played really good last week. I have him rostered on most of the dynasty leagues that I'm in. So it was just nice to see him do good in that game because, I, like I said, I, I really liked him. Talked a lot about him last week being worth a pickup. I think he got eight points. So and that was without a touchdown. He, he had a pretty good game. On the Raiders' side, should we, we should we be concerned about the Raiders' offense and Darren Waller? Well, uh, there's another question. We'll address that separately from the, the fantasy side of things. Yeah, I mean, their offense has struggled a little bit the past few weeks. And after that incredible week one where it looked like Derek Carr only remembered that Darren Waller played for them, we haven't seen him have a huge role. It hasn't been quite as big of a disappearing act as we've had for Hawkinson the last three weeks. Um, But it's enough to be a little bit of a concern. Next week's uh, battle between the Raiders and the Broncos is really shaping up to be the underachieving all-star. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's been weird for as good as that offense has been. And I, I will say, I'm not worried about him yet. Carr did get banged up in this one. They they look like he may not be coming back into the game. Like the whole offense gathered around him on that. Uh, it was like a sneak. Uh, they all thought he yeah. got serious. And they don't have Mariota right now because he played yeah, one it was snap Peterman. and ended up on IR. Nathan Peterman is not who you want to see come out. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, he came out there for, I think it was like only one or two snaps. It wasn't yeah. much, but. He didn't throw. You know, it looked like Carr could be seriously injured. So I don't know how much he was banged up. And the, teams have bad games. Yeah. The Oakland, not Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders have looked good so far up this season, up until that game. The Bears defense yeah. is really good. I'm not going to freak out too much. I also tend to believe, um, you know, the other storyline is John Gruden, obviously, is immersed yes. in a bit of a scandal. I know they're professional football players, but I feel like that probably had an impact on the way they were able to prepare this week. And I think we may have seen some of that play out on Sunday. Yeah, I have no doubt about that. So that was the second question. Do do you think that that's a distraction for the team? Do you think that could hurt them moving forward? Because So I'll be 100% honest with everybody here. I do not even know what was said. I have not read the email or paid attention to it. I was... Very, very busy this weekend. I'm going to be honest, I, and I don't mean this is a bad thing. Like, I, I know what he said was apparently very off-colored. It was not professional. Apparently, it has some racist undertones to it. I wanted to see a movie that I love, so I didn't pay attention to any of that stuff. And yesterday, it was just about watching football and relaxing for me because this has been very stressful the past couple weeks. So I still have yet to know what was said, so I can't give an opinion on that right now. So I'll let you give your piece on it. Yeah, I mean, it, I didn't read all the comments. I know he made some some 
unflattering remarks about Demora Smith, who's the head of the NFLPA, some of which appeared to have some racial overtones. And he said some disparaging things about Roger Goodell. But honestly, if we were holding that against people, uh, that would be 95% of the fans in football. The league is looking at it. It was in 2011, so it's been a decade. It was when he worked with ESPN. He wasn't even in the NFL. Um, There's been some questions about whether he was going to get disciplined from the NFL or whether they even have the authority. I will say I was interested last night when they addressed this topic, Football Night in America dropped down to just Mike Tirico, who actually worked with John Gruden as, uh, as the Monday Night Football announcer, and Tony Dungy, who obviously was was colleagues and both of whom are African-American. I was very moved by their, uh, not defense of these comments, but defense of John Gruden, the character of John Gruden that they've seen over time. But it these kind of things, I know they say they're not distractions. They can't be anything but a distraction. There's a reason coaches don't want players that have these kind of off-field things going on on their teams there's a reason that Deshaun Watson's been deactivated every week this season even though he's healthy for the Texans I would imagine it took a little bit of a toll that whole team looked flat yesterday yeah I mean I so I did see that part I did see what Tariko and um Tony Dungy said about it uh, and I've seen obviously a lot of what seems like the biggest reaction that I've seen is that after the stuff came out that he did not apologize for it when he was first uh, up, I guess, during the press conference, he just kind of dismissed it and said, you know, something this, that, and it wasn't that big a deal. Clearly, that kind of stuff is. So, again, I, I will definitely look more into that and see what exactly was said because I don't want to say something that I really have no idea of what was said and what, what was going on. But I did get to see that stuff from Sunday Night Football, and they did back him. Um, you know, Tariko, I believe – I don't know exactly what he said. Paraphrasing was like, I, I know I've worked for, with him for 11 years. I know him better than most. And that's not the kind of person that I know him to be. So he was very defensive of the character of John Gruden. Like you said, not the words or what he said, but the character of the man himself. Um, I will also mention on the Bears side, and it doesn't seem like he's been injured, but Justin Fields did have a really weird play where it looked like he hyperextended his knee. He did come back into the game and there's been no word that he won't play, but that is definitely something to watch because it didn't look good. Um, now I believe he did come out and say that he's been training with someone that like trains your knee for stuff like that. So that's good. Obviously I'd, I'd be worried, but it, it did not look pretty at the time. I don't want to talk about this game. I did pick the Chargers to win, so I guess there's a bright side. And that the Chargers win, they beat the Browns 47-42. It's a big showing for Cleveland, but not quite enough. Do they need more from the passing game? I think they need their stars to, to show up. You know, Chubb and Hunt were incredible. I didn't think Baker was bad. OBJ, in a game where almost 90 points were scored, Got three targets and caught two passes. They need more, in my opinion. They need more. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what someone posted this. I think it may have been Ray Garvin uh, posted. There was like over 500 yards of offense for the Browns, and Odell gets two catches for 30 yards. Like, I was trying to pull up how many times he was targeted. I can't. Three tell. times. Three times. I mean, <sighs> 
I know I he's still yeah. trying to work himself back, but you need your big player, you know, for the Chargers, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, yeah. Keenan Allen, they all showed up. Nick Chubb could not have run better. I mean, almost eight yards of carry was killing it. Kareem Hunt's killing it. David Njoku looks good. You just, you got to have your big guys step up in big moments. And that so, makes me concerned. The one thing I'll say about that is they didn't need Odell to though. I, I per, and, and this is where I brought up Stefanski earlier. He lost them the game, in my opinion. And he admitted that. I don't know if you if you saw his press conference. I imagine you didn't. You're not a Browns fan. I did. After the game, he admitted he coached, and this is his words, I coached scared. He was afraid that something was going to happen in the last two minutes of the game, so he coached scared and he regretted it. I will say I give him a lot of props for saying that because a lot of coaches would not. A lot of coaches yeah. would say, oh, no, this was just what blah, blah, blah said, and this is what we're going to do. To run a running back draw right up the middle on at third and nine, right before the two-minute quarter, like I get you're trying to run some clock out, but your defense had not stopped Justin Herbert in the second half at all. Like you Especially that fourth that, quarter. Oh, yeah, man. you cannot put that on your defense when your defense is winded. There's breaks and coverage all over the place. Like there was just so much stuff going to that defense. You've got to try and get that first down. I mean, they've been going for it on fourth down all year long and not necessarily being successful. Why don't you just try and get six, seven, eight yards? And if you really want to go for it on fourth down and then do exactly what they did on that final drive for the Chargers and force Austin Eckler into the end zone so that they can get the ball back. And then the final drive, I'm not putting that on Baker. I'm sorry. I know that they had like a minute 10 or 20 to get down the field and score. The Chargers defense was just dropping everybody in coverage because that's all you had to do. They didn't have timeouts, so they had to force the ball down the field. Granted, they did not do a great job. Their first couple plays, they got like three passes for 12 yards and ate up 40 seconds of clock, which is not ideal either. But I think the way that he coached before the two-minute warning was bad. I, I am glad that he admitted that because he's also done that before. He did that in the Chiefs game this year and he did that in the Chiefs game last year which I think had cost them two wins right there. I think they could have beat the Chiefs in the playoffs definitely think they could have beat the Chiefs back in week one I would like to see that changed um but the thing with Odell is I still believe he's a good player I just don't understand and it's crazy to say this but maybe he just would be better somewhere else I, I mean yeah I think he can unlock this offense. We saw last year, he's, in my opinion, he's the reason they win the Dallas game with the play that he had. And I think he's a main reason why they were not explosive in the Chiefs game in the playoffs. They just couldn't do anything deep. And I think he could be that. And maybe you're right. I didn't even think about the fact that he is still working back from that injury, but three targets to your number one, because Landry's not there, and I like Donovan Peoples-Jones. Him and Rashard Higgins have an amazing connection. Odell is still, even if you say he's 70% of the player that he used to be, is better than anybody wide receiver-wise on that roster. How you only get him three targets is beyond me. I don't know what's going on there. They do definitely need to get him more involved. I kept hoping, and I know we talked a little bit about it earlier this season, that maybe he could bounce back and be the player we once thought he was. That shit may have sailed. I, I, and I hate to say that, but it's, it's a, it's a little bit disheartening because I do love the player. Loved him when he was a giant, and and I was even ex I was ecstatic 
when the Browns made the trade and it's just not working out. This is the guy I really need to apologize to. I mean, I love Justin Herbert. I, I talked about him being the QB one of that class last year. Friend of the show, Ricky Valero, I believe, was on that train as well. Like, there were not many people hyping up Justin Herbert more than I was last year. Got him winning the MVP this year, taking the charge to the playoffs. And yet, I said I did not think he was going to have a good game this week. Now, I know he's not the kind of guy that would flip anybody off. But he, like, mentally flipped me off with that game yesterday. He knew I was going to be watching. Pretty sure he listened to the show because, holy crap, 40-something fantasy points. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he had After I sat him for Russell Wilson. I almost sat him for Jalen Hurts, and I'm glad I didn't because, oh, my goodness. I mean, look, and I don't think that that's bad process. Um, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I know all of us. I'm pretty well. You may not. I don't remember where you had Russell Wilson. I had Wilson ranked higher than Herbert this week. I think I had him really close, but then at the last minute, I thought that Thursday night game was going to be more of a shootout. Well, yeah. And, it, and it, well, and I didn't know he was going to break his finger. But. Right. Well, now I will say, um, I think it was Samantha Pervetti from the Action Network tweeted this out, and I agree 100% with her. The Chargers-Browns game was what we hoped Seattle-Los Angeles-Rams game was going to be Thursday night, yeah. and then it turned out to be this game. So, yeah, I don't think that that was bad. Now, if you started like a Daniel Jones or like a Sam Darnold over Herbert, then I would say that's bad process. I think it's it was good process, bad results, right? Like, we thought, or at least I thought Herbert might struggle a little bit because this defense has been really good. They've, they've limited, even yeah. when playing Patrick Mahomes, 54% completion percentage. They haven't allowed much through the air. As bad as it looked against the Chiefs in week one, they've really done a good job of that moving forward. I thought Herbert might struggle a little bit there. But my God, I mean, just an amazing day for him, an amazing day for this offense. I've considered them a serious contender all season. Again, I had him making the playoffs. I had him right there with the Chiefs. I, had, I picked him to beat the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. They did that. Are they a serious contender now for you? Yeah, I think so, especially, you know, in their own division, we've seen the vulnerability of everybody else, uh, especially Kansas City. Kansas City has looked rough on both both sides of the ball. The Raiders and Broncos look uneven. The Chargers have looked like the most consistent team, and their only loss so far this season actually doesn't look that bad when you see how Dallas has been playing and that one of us picked them to be in the Super Bowl. So right, Whatever. It wasn't me. In case you're watching, you don't know who. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, nobody, again, nobody brings up the, the somebody else's Super Bowl pick when they do well. I will. Uh, I will also say they limited Dallas to 20 points too. I, I think. Well, and it was that game Dallas had all season. I'm thinking about that Dallas defense a little bit differently too, because that Dallas de- that game is actually what gave me a little bit of pause about Herbert in this one because I thought yeah. they may still win, they may still be competitive, but we won't see like lights out performance because we've seen this when two good teams clash in LA before. But maybe Dallas's defense is better than we realize. Oh, I on digs. Oh my god! I, I saw. I tweeted out that I don't know if you saw. It's like two thirds of the earth is covered by water, and the other third is covered by Trayvon Diggs. That's that's true. I, my god, that kid is good. It's. I, I will. We'll talk a little bit about him. We have. Yeah, we're about to get to the Cowboys game, yeah. so I'll save the next part for that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you, and that's another reason why I thought Herbert might have a like. I had him 13, so it's not like I, we all had him ranked. I know you got you and both Brandon Hay had him ranked higher than me. It's not like I thought he was going to be in the 20s, but I I had Jalen Hurts ranked high in him and at the last second i switched it out and i don't know why clearly yeah. it was a great 
you know, it's it's because I can't bail on Justin Herbert. I love him too much, but it was a, it was a great game for him. I mean, I, and I will say a lot of it, I think is it's Brandon Staley. You know, I, I think we've seen this sometimes with teams, the Rams, when they, when they moved on to Sean McVay, all the pieces are there. Sometimes you just need a different voice in there and a different leader to take that team to the next level. And I definitely think he's doing that in Los Angeles. The uh, the Cardinals hang on to beat the 49ers 17-14. to Lance was okay. 49ers come up short. Looks like Jimmy G is going to be starting in week six. Trey Lance has a not- knee injury and may not yeah. play. Yeah, the 49ers are on bye. So, um, oh, I'm sorry. Then that's we, right. Uh, week seven. Bye, bye weeks start this week. Our, yeah. our nemesis, uh, four teams on a bye. So the 49ers are off. It'll be interesting to see. I feel like it's a very similar situation almost to what we saw with Fields, where the first start wasn't great. Um, you know, it's. Did they do enough? I, I still think what's a little bit different is we know Trey Lance is going to be involved in some packages, no matter who the starter is. 49ers are in a precarious position because that's a tough division. They're two and three. They get a break with Seattle kind of losing Russell Wilson. But they have a lot to do to catch the Rams and the Cardinals. And I don't know if what we've seen from Lance, if it looks like he's, you know, if you're trying, you know, they're going to have to ask themselves, are we – are we looking to the future or are we trying to get in the playoffs this year? Cause if they're trying to get in the playoffs this year, I don't know if he's the answer for them. Yeah. Um, you know that I don't think he comes back and starts. It was an okay game. The one thing I'm worried about him and I don't know if it's just, they, they didn't trust him to pass the ball. They ran him a lot and I mean yeah. a lot and he was taking a beating not exactly what I was hoping for. You know, I talked about, I thought maybe he could get a little bit of rushing going, but I didn't expect him to get, to run that much. Uh, again, I just saw a tweet as we were recording saying that he's got a knee injury and he may be out for a couple weeks. So I would think that they probably think then Jimmy G is going to be good to go by the time they come back from the bye to come out and say that. So I wouldn't be surprised. I think regardless, uh, if, if Jimmy, if, if they're both healthy, uh, I think Jimmy G starts because uh, he just, I, I may have been wrong on Lance. I thought he could be um, really big for the 49ers down the stretch, but he just may not be ready. He's definitely got the tools, though. I'm excited to see once he progresses a little bit more to see him out on the field. The Cardinals are the league's only undefeated team, but are they the best team? No, I don't think they are. Um, you know, and I want to see how it goes going through, but – there have been aspects of some of the ways that they've managed to pull out victories. Uh, they, you know, they didn't look incredible against Jacksonville, which is a team that's not been good. They didn't look great yesterday and hung on and win. It sort of gives me a little bit of pause thinking about what we saw from Pittsburgh last year, where they were 11 and 0. They were the league's last undefeated team, but there were a couple of times that maybe they shouldn't have won, and it masked some of the issues they may still have. Yeah, I don't know that I would say they're the best team, but I definitely think they are one of the best teams with the way they've been playing. That defense is still a little bit suspect to me, but I I don't think you can doubt that offense. I know they only put up 17 points here. I still think the 49ers defense is much better than than they look. Kyler Murray got banged up a little bit in this one. That is a big thing that worries me because we saw that last year when he hurt that shoulder – 
that really affected him and that Cardinals offense down the stretch. I hope that he is going to be okay because I do think he is the key cog that runs that offense. The Cowboys beat the Giants 44-220. Is it just too many injuries for the Giants? Galladay is going to miss this week. I saw yeah. Barkley out for likely two. We don't know what's going to go on with Daniel Jones. He was clearly concussed. That was a scary play uh, for him yeah. to see him stumbling like that. Uh, Kadarius Tony has a big day, but now he is injured as well. I mean, supposedly Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton were supposed to be coming back this week. Yeah, uh, and I liked what we saw from Kadarius Tony. I don't know if it was just because he was the last man standing, but, you know, 10 for 189, he looked like it wasn't uh, too big of a moment for him. Mike Glennon, probably not the guy you're looking for uh, to carry your team. Devontae Booker, a, a fine journeyman back, probably not the explosive back you're looking for in the backfield. It was a lot of injuries. Um, the Giants are a team that maybe at times has looked better than a one and four record, but I think at the end of the day, we all thought that there was a good chance they were they were a four or five win team, and that feels like how they're tracking. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say for them right now, and and we'll talk about them a little bit more when we get to the waiver wise, but um, Evan Ingram might be in for a couple big games moving down the stretch right now because he's about all they have. See if he can catch the ball. Hey, you made a really nice catch in that game. I mean, I, I didn't watch a lot of it. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. But if he finds it in the end zone, that's all that matters for the tight end position. You know it's going to be Kyle Rudolph taking all the, <sighs> I know. the ends off. Dallas wins again. How good is this offense? I mean, they look pretty incredible. They have two really good – I mean, we, we know – we talk about the Browns running back duo and they've been incredible. I don't think Zeke and Pollard, the way they're playing are very far off. I love what CD lamb is doing. Cooper got into the end zone and Dalton Schultz looks like vintage Jason Witten out there. I mean, it's gone from who's going to be the better tight end in Dallas and will they matter to you should be starting Dalton Schultz in your lineup every week. Uh, I, I think Dallas looks good and big, Props to Dan Quinn for what he's done with that defense. They're very opportunistic. They've looked good. They hit hard. They play hard. Uh, Trayvon Diggs looks like he's at another level. Dallas is really emerging not just into a contender in the East, but into a contender, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I'll mention on the defensive side really quick with the Diggs thing. It was very interesting seeing him talk. For those of you who know, if you followed him in college, he was a wide receiver like his brother. And Nick Saban moved him to cornerback. And he he cried. He was not happy about it. He thought about quitting. And then his brother told him, well, go get it because you're good enough to make the transition. And now look at him. So that's just and, – and I like that he stood out. You know, he was very upset with Nick Saban when that happened. And now he thanks Nick Saban for doing that. I, he I might have almost as like many that. receptions as his brother this year. Oh, I know. I mean, my goodness. And we'll get to that game. But, you know, he it, it's really cool to see stuff like that work out. And then, you know, as someone who, who's been an athlete and has been told – has moved positions before, again, never at obviously an NFL or even like at the high-end level, but moved and not happy about it because you're like, what well, this coach is an idiot. Clearly I'm this. And then it ends up working out, and you're like, oh, thank you, Coach, because you clearly got the best out of me. It's cool to see and hear those stories. But, yeah, I'm with you. The one thing I will say is as good as this offense is, the only players I really trust are Zeke, 
Pollard, and now Schultz. Because I know Lamb and Cooper both got touchdowns in this one, both looked good, but that hasn't been necessarily the thing moving forward or, or previously coming into these games. I think, like, Cooper has been good when he's been out there, but Lamb's kind of been hit or miss. Well, I'm going to say they have sort of an embarrassment of riches, so you don't know if both of them are going to have a big return, but they're both getting targeted and they're both getting opportunities. I really don't think you can pull them out of your. Oh no, you can't pull them. You have to start them, but but lamb like Cooper. It's not as much of a lock as we thought it was going to be after week one. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I, I mean, I feel like I'm the like biggest Cooper hater, at least of the three of us. And um, I, he's been good. I think really is the injuries early on that kind of slowed him down. He got the touchdown, though he did come up limping as well in this one after the touchdown. Uh, but Lamb has been a little bit hit or miss. I think he's the best receiver, but I think he's been hurt because of how much Dalton Schultz has stepped up. That's where I think it's kind of hurt him a little bit. And Gallup's not far from coming back yeah. either. So I, I don't know. That could That's really the throw real unknown. a wrench into things. Yeah. Well, does Gallup even really have a role anymore because of what they're getting out of the tight end? That's that's a very good question. It's definitely something we'll be watching moving forward. The Steelers beat the Broncos 27-19. and 19. Is it time for the Broncos to give Javante Williams more touches? Yeah, I mean, this is the second week in a row that he's had by far the best offensive play, just blasting through the line and dragging people. And the real... I'm not pleased with their coaches, but their offensive coordinator, I mean, only eight carries for Javante. He did a nice job in the passing game as well. He's more, much more explosive than Melvin Gordon. I think it's really, they need to start giving him a bigger workload. I mean, I'll say I agree. Uh, you, you know how high I was on Javante coming out. I don't, not that Melvin Gordon is washed. I just don't think where he's at at his point in career, he's better than Javante Williams. So I'm, I'm with He's a fine contributor, but it just, yeah. you know, Javante Williams two weeks in a row has blasted through a pretty good defense, dragging people down the field. And then they're like, well, no, we got to keep trading off series. No, you don't. Big Ben looked better for the Steelers here. Is Najee the early favorite, though, for Rookie of the Year? And what does it mean for Pittsburgh losing Juju, unfortunately, for the season with the shoulder injury? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a tough beat. Um, not just not so much just for the passing game, but they talked about Juju Smith-Schuster is so aggressive and physical and does the dirty work that most receivers aren't willing to do and his leadership. I think that's, that's probably going to be missed even more than he wasn't having an incredible receiving season. I also feel bad for him because he took a discount to come back to Pittsburgh on a one year kind of deal to compete. And not only does this team look like they're not really a super contender, he gets hurt missing the whole year. Going to roll into free agency in a much different way. Um, You know, just a bad beat all the way around, but Najee Harris does, you know, right now, if we were voting for rookie of the year, I think it's him hands down. I, I don't think anyone's particularly close up on him right now. He's he looked great. He carried them against a tougher defense. Um, I will also say, you know, maybe Big Ben can play corners who are going to gamble for interceptions every week because I was at work. 
when that game came on and watching Kyle Fuller attempt to go for interceptions and miss on consecutive plays to start the game to make Big Ben look like 2003 Big Ben was <laughs> a lot. I will say that I appreciate it as a as someone who rosters Deontay Johnson because yeah. that touchdown really helped me. Outside of that, I'm with you because I could – I love when Pittsburgh loses because they're they're the Pittsburgh squealers. I don't really care for them. Uh, I will say, though, Juju is one of the few – I like Deontay, but Juju is one of the players that I openly root for, not just because of I like him as a person. I think he gets a little slammed too much for the TikTok stuff. Um, He's just a great human being. Um, If you you pay attention, you know, again – Friend of ours, Austin Nace, a big Steelers fan, he talks about it. If you, I follow a lot of people who are Steelers fans. They talk about it. They retweet stuff of just like how good of a person he is, how much he does in that community. He never asked to be celebrated. There was a story that just came out recently where I believe he was at a giant eagle and a woman was looking for her card, couldn't find it, had all these groceries. He just walked up, paid for it, then paid for his stuff and left. Didn't ask for, didn't like, nobody even realized who it was until last minute that it was Juju. And he wasn't doing that for publicity. He's just a genuinely good person. So I'm with you. It sucks to see him get injured like this because he did take a discount. He wanted to come back to Pittsburgh. And now he gets hurt and he's out for the year. The one thing I will say is, regardless of that, I still think he'll be valued properly in free agency next year because he is a good wide receiver. I hope that he is able to get the money he deserves. Doesn't sound like it's a like a big serious career thing, but unfortunately he will be out for the season. Um, and who knows, maybe yeah. he'll come back to Pittsburgh. That that kind of like a lot of people in the know around there thought that was the reason he came back because their cap opens up a lot next season. So maybe he'll come back and that'll be good for him. But I do hope he gets the bag next season. Um, as for Najee, I agree with you. The only player I think is close is going to end up if Justin Fields can, can continue to get better and take the Bears to the playoffs. I, it's it's a quarterback. A lot of things are quarterback awards. I think I if if he takes the Bears to the playoffs, I th- and if he continues to get better, he's gotten better every single week. If he continues to take those steps, I think he ends up still has a ways to go, though. I mean, fifty one point four percent completion. It's Najee's award right now, but don't sleep on Justin. Fields. I'm not. I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure Justin Fields would be my pick if we were just going quarterbacks. I still like what I've seen from Mac Jones. Yeah, last week uh, that game Sunday really kind of soured it on me. But I, you know, I don't know. I he brought him was, back. He won the game. He, he did, but he shouldn't have had to have brought them back. The uh, well, the his he wasn't the one that allowed. Uh, <laughs> that is that is true. I mean, Davis Mills had a higher quarterback rating than Patrick Mahomes yesterday. Yeah. The Bills beat the Chiefs 38-20. to The Bills come into Arrowhead, and Josh Allen pretty much said to Patrick Mahomes, anything you can do, I can do better, and he did it. Are we starting to buy into Emmanuel Sanders having a big year and Josh Allen? I mean, after week one, I feel like, and I'll be honest, I said it, and I'll own up to it, I said I thought Josh Allen might regress a little bit this year, and I said, hey, week one, it really looks like that's going to happen. I was wrong, because holy crap, does he look like the guy from last year since week one ended. Yeah, my my preseason Super Bowl pick was the Cowboys and the Bills, and I know you guys made fun of me, and maybe it was a dumb pick. But right now, after five weeks of the NFL season, I'm feeling pretty good about 
uh, about those teams at least being competitive and going into the playoffs. And Emmanuel Sanders, what a, what a fascinating story. You know, t- tore his Achilles on the wrong side of 30 in 2018 while playing for a second-tier Denver team. And since then, you know, managed to come back really strong right away the next season, gets traded to 49ers, ends up in the Super Bowl, gets signed by the Saints, ends up just being the best receiver for the Saints for a team that wins the NFC South, moves on in free agency again, goes to a loaded Buffalo team, and we're thinking, you know, that's you know, that's probably the end of his fantasy relevance. And here he is, catching touchdowns, making big plays. He's wide receiver 28 on the season. I know that's not incredible, but he's an every week start again. Yeah, uh, 100%. I, I didn't expect that out of him either. He, I, I really thought it was going to be more of the the digs, Cole Beasley. Um, and even with Dawson Knox coming on, I, I thought – Or Gabe Davis. Be, yeah, it was Emmanuel Sanders, and he's a guy that you probably got extremely late in your draft. I mean, it, it looks like he's, he's locked into um, – who was it? Why can't I think of John Brown? He He's like locked into that John Brown role. We saw when John Brown was healthy last year, he was fantasy viable most of the time. And I think that's exactly what Sanders is doing for them. The Chiefs are two and three and struggling on defense with turnovers. What does this team need to do to turn it around? I don't know if they have the horses to turn it around this year, to be perfectly honest. They could easily be one and four or you know, even 0 and 5, they had to really work hard to come back against, or, you know, to put to space in the Eagle game. They kind of lucked into coming back week one. Their defense doesn't look good. Their defense doesn't look like they could stop anyone. And right now, that offensive line that they spent a lot of money trying to rebuild also is not quite great. I think Joe Tooney got hurt again last night, um, which is only going to hurt them. Patrick Mahomes seems to be running for his life, and it doesn't matter how good your weapons are. If you don't have time, even the best quarterbacks are going to make mistakes, and we've seen that from him. You know, some of that magic drying up. They haven't gotten anything consistently on the ground. CEH got banged up again last night. So they they have some work to do. I still think they ultimately end up in the playoffs, but it now doesn't look like much of a lock that they win their division, and they certainly don't look like they're going to be one of the top two seeds in the AFC. It's going to be a tough road to hoe, uh, especially for a team that came in with some Super Bowl aspirations. Oh yeah, yeah. I they we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I said it even after the Browns game, they look more beatable than they ever have. Um, and I think, in all honesty, it's kind of um, a reaction to them going so well in on offense. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is not really a player that you can criticize, uh, but I, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I stand by it. He's making some plays that have worked for him in the past, but I don't think will always work for you in the NFL. The no-look pass, he had one last night where he was just running around and just chucked it deep and it didn't work out. Like, you can only do that so much. I I, I know Patrick Mahomes, he, you know, he's magic, and he's the best quarterback out there, and he is. He's the best quarterback in the NFL right now with what he can do. But that's not always going to work for you, and you're not always going to be able to outscore everybody. We saw that last year with Tampa. And now we've seen that a couple times this year. I I do think there's some serious holes on that defense, and that is going to hold this team back. All right, let's jump into waiver wire targets for week six really quick before we get out of here. 
As always, we start with the QB position. This is based on rostered percentages, courtesy of Fantasy Pros. Geno Smith is at 0.6%. We know Russell Wilson is likely going to be out for six to eight weeks. I'm going to be honest. I'd be surprised if we see him again this season. And then you've got uh, Tyler Taylor Henneke at 14.3%. And a reminder, bye weeks start this week. Jets, Falcons, Saints, and 49ers are all out, so there are some big... Uh, fantasy pieces that are going to be in there. So, you know, you may be thinking, do I really want to try to make a move for Geno Smith? You you may actually need to make a move for uh, Geno Smith. I didn't think he looked too bad, actually, uh, coming in. Um, and with the amount of injuries for Washington's weapons, actually, Geno Smith would be my preference of those two. Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I mean, and it's crazy to say, but I also think Heineke may only have for a couple more weeks. Again, we talked about yeah. the beginning of the show. Fitzpatrick may be back. Geno Smith is likely going to be the locked-in starter for the Seahawks for most of the season. At running back, you've got Darrell Williams of the Kansas City Chiefs at 11.8%, and then my guy Khalil Herbert at 118 as well. There has not been any news that I've seen yet on CEH. He came out at the end of that game yeah. with a knee injury. We don't know how serious. He got off off his own power, so usually that's a good sign, but we don't know how serious it is. Yeah, and I'm going to say they both should be picked up. Um at least in the short term. We know Montgomery is going to be out for at least three more weeks, possibly longer, and it looks like Herbert is going to be in the mix. I am still taking Williams over Herbert just slightly because we've seen him be a factor and be a red zone factor all season, regardless of whether CEH is healthy or available or not. So I think there is the potential that you could use him throughout the whole season. Um, but I, I think they're both decent pickups given the sets running back yeah uh i agree with you 100 there i'd probably i mean to be honest i'm probably leaning herbert i mean the chiefs just don't run the ball maybe that changes darrell williams gets in there but he has touchdowns though um he, he's that's true. i think he's had a touchdown in almost every game and that to me, he pro Herbert may have more upside, but I think Williams might have a safer floor. I, I agree with you on that. So if you want to go upside, go Herbert. Wide receivers, Kadarius Toney, 13.9%. Uh, Chris Moore, zero. And Rashad Bateman, who it now looks like will not be making a return, at least not tonight, maybe next week. He's not week, coming back tonight. I think they said yeah. he was tracking for next week. That's why so next week. I gotcha. thought it would be an interesting. And, and he's one that's probably – he and Tony are probably 100% owned if you're in Dynasty. Or oh, yeah, for if sure. If you're in Dynasty. Uh, at 18.5%, though, for Bateman. Bateman would be the, the speculative play, and I'm kind of curious, you know, because we've seen Lamar actually does look like he's trying to throw more, and I guess if I had Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell's corpse, and Devonta Freeman behind me, I might try to throw more also. Um, so that's an interesting speculative ad. I'm actually really curious about Chris Moore. The coach knew him. We've seen some good flashes before when he was in a lower-volume passing offense, and there isn't a ton of weapons um, that he's competing with. And he's also playing for a team that's liable to be behind a lot in the Texans. Uh, but 
if I'm ranking them, Tony, if if it looks like he's going to be healthy, is probably my top choice. And then I'm probably going more and then Bateman. I mean, I'm still really high on Bateman. I think he could change this. I, I want I think I'm still gonna have Tony number one, but I am worried about how long he may miss because of the injury. And I don't know how much of his production yesterday was the fact that everybody got injured and was out. We do know Shepard and Slayton, they are saying are supposed to be back this week. So does Tony get out there? He did throw a punch and get kicked out. We know Joe Judge is kind of like the no nonsense head coach. So does he punish Tony for doing that as well? I'm still probably putting Tony first, but uh, I'm, I would like to know more so about that injury. It's an ankle foot injury is what they're saying. Um, with an ankle, and while he will not be done for the season, his status for week six against the Los Angeles, oh, and the Rams. God, if he's the only receiver against the Rams, I would think he's going to get Jalen Ramsey. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's probably a risk. Uh, and then Bateman would be two for me. I really think he's going to change this offense when he comes back. He looks really good in the preseason. Uh, Andrews has been okay, but not great this year. I think Bateman can really open up the middle of the field for Lamar Jackson, who seems to be more willing to pass this year than mm-hmm. ever. So I'm all in on Bateman. He would be – I take that back. He'd be my number one because uh, I just think he's going to change things. He'll be in the better offense as well. Last but not least, tight ends. Hunter Henry at 40.8%, Evan Ingram at 305 and Ross Dwelly at 2. I feel like I've been burned too many times by uh, Evan Ingram. Hunter Henry actually looks like he's developing chemistry with Mac Jones. We thought both those tight ends were going to pop. We hoped at least one would pop. It looks like it's going to be Hunter Henry. He's caught touchdowns in the last two games. He's been more heavily involved in the last three games as the passing offense has stepped up. He would probably be my number one option. I'm guessing in a lot of leagues he's rostered. So if you're looking at the other two, I'm probably leaning Dwelly because we've seen him have some pretty good games uh in you know when Kittle has been out of course San Francisco is on a bye so if you need somebody this week Evan Ingram you're you're probably taking a chance on it's not a great matchup and yeah I feel like I I was not kidding I feel like Kyle Rudolph is going to end up getting the red zone shots I hope not, because I think Evan Ingram is going to be the guy that I'm kind of all in on. Most of the ones that I'm in, Hunter Henry is already rostered, so he's the guy I would. He got the touchdown this week, looked good. Uh, Evan Ingram's probably going to be one of the main cogs of that offense. Um, you know, the big thing, I, I was all in on Max Williams this week on a bunch of leagues because I lost Logan Thomas to the so IR. Fair. Then Max Williams gets hurt, so it's likely going to be Evan Ingram for me. Uh, so I'm hoping. <laughs> You know, against tight, a, tight end is such a sad a position. I know it really is. So even the would, invincible top of the position, like oh yeah, Waller it's, and even Kelsey just had an okay game. I mean, it's yeah. ah, it's so bad. It is. It is. That's uh, you know, I guess I don't even know. I hate tight ends. That'll that'll do it for us today. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday to recap the Monday Night Football game between the Ravens and the Colts. We will talk the Buccaneers and the Eagles. And then, as Matt mentioned, we will do a little pop culture corner again as we talk what if and no time to die. Maybe even, I don't know, you big Sopranos guy? I watched, I reviewed uh, The Many did Saints you? of Newark. Yeah. You didn't like it, did you? I, I thought it was okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. But I don't think That's it was. Inc- 
incredible. I don't. Oh, I don't think it was incredible either. But I liked. We, it. We can save it a little bit for Wednesday, but yeah. I don't think it did what they they told us it was going to be uh, an yes, origin story thing. for uh, a certain character that I didn't get a whole lot yes. origin out of it. Yes. Okay. No, I do agree with you there. So yeah, maybe we'll talk a little bit of the many saints of Newark as well. Cause I, I did watch that the other day and I, I enjoyed it as a Sopranos fan. So, but that will do it for us today. We'll catch you guys again on Wednesday. Hopefully whatever players you need to go off tonight, do what they need to get you guys a win and enjoy the game between the Ravens and the Colts. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!